Act Three of The Times by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The scene is the same as before, but it is evening. Jelf enters, showing in Denim, who is in evening dress. The ladies are dining, my lord. Earlier than usual. Yes, my lord, on account of going down to the House of Commons. Ah, uh, I forgot. The master makes a speech tonight, my lord. I know. And don't announce me. I'll wait about. Denham strolls off, then Beryl in dinner dress enters. A piano is heard. Beryl to Jelf. Who is playing the piano? Lord Lurgus Hall, miss. His lordship's just come in. Jelf goes out. Poor Denham. I wonder how he will bear it when I let him know the decision I've come to. When I ask him plainly to release me from my engagement. I've made up my mind to do it. I'm sure it is the honest course. And I've made up my mind. It has taken me nearly a month to make it up. But after all, a month isn't much. Under the circumstances. Denham returns. Beryl. She gives him her hand coldly. You are not dining. I begged to be excused halfway through dinner. My head says there's to be a thunderstorm. Ah, you're very anxious about the success of your father's speech tonight. Oh, of course. He looked ghastly when he started down to the house this afternoon. By the by, I thought we weren't to see you till after the debate. I'm here early, on a mission. A mission? I bring a message from my mother to yours. Something that vexes you by your look? I am vexed. He is about to sit by her. She quickly places her fan beside her on the settee. Beryl. Well? What is the matter? The matter? Between us. Almost from the very moment a month ago when you and I understood one another, almost from that very moment you have altered towards me. Why? Why? What have I done? What do I do? If you find faults in me, let me know them. If I disappoint you, give me an opportunity of raising myself to the standard you set up. Only teach me before you punish me. Denham, how you jump at conclusions. Conclusions? Why accuse yourself? Whom should I... Isn't it barely possible that it is I who find it a little inconvenient to reach the standard of excellence which you raise? You are laughing at me. Not at all. You look for a wife who is to be unconventionally sincere, don't you? Yes. And I look to you, Beryl. Well, suppose, on consideration, I can't promise to be more than conventionally genuine. Why, what do you mean? Suppose, after all, I feel that I must drift the world's way. 
that I must preserve the ordinary hypocrisies, the everyday mental reservations, and hide something of my real self even from you, that I must take my place with the sort of girl who is fairly honest, moderately candid, pretty good, but, oh, so unlike what you deserve, Denham. The voices of Mrs. Bompas, Miss Cazalet, and Honoria are heard. Dear Belle, let me talk to you again this evening. Where? Go to the billiard room, ten minutes from now. Yes, yes. Mrs. Bompas, Miss Cazalet, and Honoria enter, followed by Lucy. Mrs. Bompas to Denham. You here, my dear boy? Why didn't you come to dinner? Are you going to be our cavalier down to the house, Lord Lurgus Hall? Delightful! Jelf and another servant enter with coffee. Beryl to Lucy. Miss Tuck, you look lonely. Lucy goes to Beryl and sits beside her. Mrs. Bompas to Denham. A message from Lady Ribstow? What is it? May I see you alone for a moment? Of course. Before we go down to the house. We don't start yet a while. I'm afraid you too. Yes, the thunder upsets all of us. Don't trouble about me. Talk to the others. Coffee is handed round. Mrs. Bompas to herself. Why don't I hear something from somebody? What is happening all this while? Oh, oh. The servants hand coffee to Mrs. Bompas. Jelf. Yes, ma'am. Has Miss Mount Trefford come in yet? I believe not, ma'am. Nor Mr. Howard? Not yet, ma'am. Are you sure Mr. Trimble hasn't called or sent any message? Quite sure, ma'am. She drops the cream jug with a clatter. Take it away. Don't worry me. The servants go out. Mrs. Bompas to herself. That woman, Hooley, out all day. Howard, out all day. Not a sign from Monty. What on earth is happening? Oh. Miss Cazalet to Mrs. Bompas. You ought to be very much obliged to me. I have persuaded Miss Mountefort to practice a few steps of the dance Cormonti is teaching her. Bother. Isn't it good-natured of her? Very. So soon after dinner? Miss Tuck, we left the music on the piano. Will you go and thump it over for me? Lucy goes out. Miss Cazalet clapping her hands. Places! Places! To Beryl. How sweet Honoria is, and Mrs. Mountefort. They would be glad to hear you say so. So unaffectedly natural. But there, think of their strange careers. Why, this girl and her mother might have been scalped years ago. Mrs. Bompas to herself. Oh, if they only had been. Eh? I... I didn't speak. Dance music is heard. My heart's beating. Honoria dances gracefully, and while she is dancing, Trimble enters unobtrusively in morning dress, 
but dusty, disordered, and weary-looking. He touches Mrs. Bompus on the shoulder, and she utters a scream. Everybody is startled. Honoria ceases dancing, the music stops, and Lucy appears in the doorway. Monty! I beg pardon. I alarmed you. Honoria, Miss Caslet, and Beryl surround Mrs. Bompus. What's, What's the, the matter? matter? It's nothing. Don't notice me. I'm nervous tonight. Monty, I... I have something to arrange with you for Ascot Week. Here. Let us all go to the piano, Beryl, Lord Lurgus Hall. They go out and leave Trimble and Mrs. Bompus together. Well? Well? Nothing? No news? No. And you? Hasn't, uh, dear Mrs. Montrafford returned? She shakes her head. Singular. Painfully singular. Where's your son? She shakes her head. Hmm. It was about noon when he and I set out upon our search. I lost him at half-past four, somewhere near the Burlington Arcade. He must be very tired. I haven't sat down since I started. Will you allow me? As he sits. Ah. Oh. Taking a lozenge. Dear E.B. has gone down to the house? Yes. If he had been at home, I should have hesitated about coming up. I find it difficult to excuse his attitude of this morning. Poor fellow. Thank you. I'm thinking of Percy. Oh, yes. When he returns, from what I still hope will be an oratorical triumph, I should like you, in justice to myself, to let him know that I have devoted my day to his interests loyally. We are very much obliged to you. No, no. After leaving your house with dear Howard, I found myself on the doorstep facing a difficult problem. How to prevent a possible communication between two people who were to meet each other at an hour and place unknown to me. The further question as to what the deuce I should do if I encountered them did not fail to suggest itself. Of course it was hopeless. Percy was in a frenzy. Ultimately, I determined that, if I succeeded in my search, I would entertain one or both of the parties with whimsical stories while Howard dashed home in a cab to fetch dear E.B. This arranged, we rapidly touched at every place of rendezvous in the West End usually selected by lovers. Here I derived the utmost assistance from Howard. There's a lot of good in that boy. But you've seen no sign of them? Not a shadow. I suppose we were too late for him in one place and too early in another. Oh, it has been such an unsatisfactory day. Finally, 
Howard fancied he saw an Oxford man or something in Burlington Street and bolted away. After that, I fear my search lost method. But still, I never sat down. I calculate I have done Bond Street thirty-three times. I became nauseated with repeated cups of chocolate at Charbonnel's, all swallowed standing. But the result is nothing. Nothing. Pardon me, dear Mrs. E.B. I have proved, I hope, what friendship is capable of. And, for the first time in nearly forty years, I find myself at this hour not in evening dress. Denham enters. I beg pardon. I thought perhaps... I'm off, my dear L. To Mrs. Bompus. Goodbye, dear Mrs. E.B. I must be at the opera tonight. There's a new tenor. It's a disgrace that this big debate in the house clashes with Othello. Lots of people are very angry about it. Love to E.B. He goes out. Mrs. Bompus to Denham. You want me, my dear boy? Denham producing a letter. I'm very sorry to have to be the bearer of this for my mother. For me? You have never been told, I think, that my mother has a strong aversion to Miss Casserly. Good gracious me! No! That refers to it. Oh! I wanted to see you before you read it, to say this. The letter is my mother's, not mine. Any request that it contains is made solely by her. Any threat that she holds out, she will execute alone. Threat, my dear boy? I fear you will find something of the kind there. He kisses her hand. But I beg that you will believe me, for Beryl's sake, always dutifully and affectionately yours. To himself. The billiard room, Beryl said, in ten minutes. He goes out. Mrs. Bompas reading rapidly. Lord Lurgasol will explain, if required, my reasons for the grave exception I take to the lady I have more than once encountered at your house. Let me say, with every amiable sentiment, that my acquaintance with you must be suspended until you undertake to close your doors upon this lady. Oh! I need scarcely add that upon your decision now rests the question as to whether Lord Ripstow will ever call faithfully yours victoria ripstow oh oh in all the world is there a more unlucky woman than myself every hour a new trouble and now lurgasol's mother the very best person we know too oh bompus enters breathless and excited hello percy don't be frightened I've arranged with the whips to be away from the house for an hour. I've come over so fidgety about Mother Hooley. Cat, is she back? No, nor Howard. Oh! Monty looked in to say he'd had no luck. Yeah. Percy is... Is Mr. McShane in the house? No, not yet. I can't make out what's going on. I can't make it out. 
But there, I'm a fool to think of em. Don't mention em again. Don't let me mention em. I'll think of nothing tonight but myself. Myself and my chance. That's right. Look here. Now I'm home, I'll jump into my dress clothes. I always speak better in dress clothes, don't I? Yes, yes. I look more aristocratic in them, don't you think? Don't I look more aristocratic in my dress clothes? Yes. Then why don't you encourage me? Why don't you... He sits down and begins quickly sorting and arranging the notes of his speech. My speech. One, two, three, four. Where's five? Where's five? How poorly you seem. My brain's boiling. Eight's gone. This is tremendous chance. Eight? You've eaten nothing. No, nine. Have a sponge cake. Sponge? Yeah. I try to masticate a chop down there, but I shall speak better on an empty stomach, shan't I? Stamping his foot violently. Shan't I speak better on an... Yes. Then why don't you encourage me? Why don't you? Oh, Percy, I... I've got a horrible dread that... that our luck's changing. Changing? Do you call this encouraging me? Let me go and dress. Stay. Look. Showing him the letter. Here's Lady Ripstow at it now. It appears she hates Kate Cazalette. Let her. We don't care. But she threatens not to know me if I continue to receive Miss Cazalet here. What shall I do? Do, do. Throw Kate Cazalet over, of course. Oh, Percy. Kindly, kindly. If the ship rides lighter without her, over with her. How can I? Clara, look here, I'm getting desperate. This ingratitude of Mother Hooley's is making a different man of me. Cat, even you won't recognise me soon. I tell you, if we get well out of the scrape that we're in, I'm going to alter my line of conduct for the rest of my life. Oh, yes, let us both do that. Let us, let us. For the future self, I mean it. No more studying other people. Simply ourselves. Ourselves. So if Lady Ripstow or any other person of title objects to a woman friend of ours, over she goes. Look out there. Over she goes. Oh. I'll go and dress. Be ready for me in a quarter of an hour, and I'll take you down to the house. Give me a kiss, old lady. She makes no response. Oh, this is encouragement, isn't it? Very well. I'll encourage myself. Snapping his fingers. That for Mother Hooley, cat. That for McShane. I defy everybody. Nothing'll ever hurt me. I'm a successful man. Nothing'll ever... He goes out. Well... If this has to be done, I suppose I... Oh, how shall I manage it? No more lies if I can help it. Not another lie will I tell that isn't strictly necessary. Why shouldn't I speak plainly to Kate Cazalet? 
as a woman of the world she'd understand that i daren't offend this aristocratic old reptile that's it i'll throw myself on her indulgence opening the door and calling miss cazalet dear miss cazalet enters followed by honoria and lucy mrs bompas to miss cazalet come upstairs i want five minutes of the coziest chat with you imaginable just what i love oh dear you're faint it's only the thunder come upstairs my dear mrs bompas let me tell you an excellent thing for nerves they go out beryl enters and the billiard-room in ten minutes poor denham she steals off as she does so howard is heard outside the door singing a comic song in a maudlin way hark what's that why i do believe lucy goes to the door and looks out oh come away miss montrefort oh do come away lucy drags honoria across the room as howard lurches in drunk oh oh howard i'll go back lucy to honoria oh pray come upstairs ah don't be alarmed dear i've seen him ill once before to howard are you aware of the state you're in am i aware of state i'm in you lewd for the fact that i'm a little dusty dusty is it i fancy you've been laying the dust pretty well laying the <laughs> laying the dust is there another laying present or is it all you sure it's miss tuck ow miss tuck staggering towards lucy of course miss tuck oh no please i recollect miss tuck staying in our house teaching on on riga he falls helplessly into a chair come let us help him to his room quietly i'll not lend a hand oh i know it isn't quite the way in which young women ought to occupy themselves but suppose his people were to see him in this condition let them what do i care it'll be a lesson to him they think themselves mighty superior let em contemplate that many a lecture they've favoured me with on my behaviour let em look at that i'm not to put my knife in my mouth at meal-times i'm not to sponge up my gravy with a crust in strange houses let em look at that or oh, the impudence of it i don't understand what you mean i think you're very hard-hearted advancing to howard and taking his arm come upstairs howard throwing his arms round lucy oh my darling my do lucy releasing herself ah honoria boxes howard's ears and shakes him what i'll teach you wrong again 
fondling a strange lady. Strange lady? I thought she was you. Oh, when do I do right? I don't know. Pray overlook it, Miss Munchford. I'm convinced he didn't know the difference. Sure, it's time he did then. What the lady says is correct. Oh, I've had a dreadful month this last month. Oh, my darling, my darling. Honoria caressing him. Ah, did I strike your blow then, dearest? Frightful blow. Sure I'm unconscious of what I'm doing when my Irish blood's up. You'll forgive, Howard. Yes. And you'll never reduce yourself to this state any more. Never. <laughs> ah. ah. They embrace lovingly. Miss Munchford. Go away. We're all right. I must beg you to remember that you are merely engaged to Mr. Howard. Ah, mind your own business. I owe a duty to those who employ me. You've only got to teach me French. Howard waving Lucy away. French. And to advise you on a course of general behaviour. Miss Munchford, there are certain prescribed limits beyond which it is not decorous for a young person to step during the period of engagement. Philo. I feel you are travelling beyond those limits. Howard kisses Honoria. Mr. Howard. She advances to Howard and drags him from the settee. I'll tell your parents. What? How dare you interfere between me and, and my good lady? Howard, whist. I'll repeat, my good lady. What are you saying? This is my lawful wife. My precious wife. Don't listen to him. We are on our honeymoon. Miss Montreford. Montreford. That's Mrs. Howard Edgerton Bompus. There now. Formerly Miss Norioli. Now he's done it. I'm sick of humbug and deception. I'm married gentleman. Let all the world know it. I'm young, married English gentleman. Oh, Mr. Howard. Noria, I know we can trust this sweet young lady. Have you got our marriage certificate with you? Honoria produces an envelope from the bodice of her dress. Have I got it? Sure, it never leaves me, night nor day. Handing a certificate to Lucy. Look at that, and hold your tongue about it. But this doesn't refer... Yes, yes, my dear, and we're to be married all over again to make a fine tip-top match of it. But were you never Miss Montreford? Not I, sweet. Kissing Lucy. Sure, I feel easier in my mind now that we've got one real friend in the house. One? One real? My darling. Now then. Hark, I'm sure somebody's coming. Honoria supporting Howard. Hold up, dearest. 
Lucy and Honoria lead Howard with difficulty to a door. It's Monty Trimble's idea. I'm bugging second wedding. That's enough now. Drop it. Our story. Everybody's shamed. Or an old mother-in-law. Come on. Oh, mother holy. Oh, my. They go out, and as they disappear, Miss Caslet enters in a towering rage, while Mrs. Pompous follows attempting to pacify her. Not another word. Don't speak to me. Pray, try to see things in their right light. In their right light? I am taken by the shoulders and turned out of this house. No, no. Kicked out of it to please that woman, Ripstow. That's the only light in which I see things. Trying to put on her mantle. Confound the cloak. Let me help you. Ha! What a hurry you're in to see the last of me. Send Lucy to me. I'll take her away tonight. Oh, the insult. The insult. Wait here till you have spoken to my husband. He will offer every apology. Apology? Let the creature Ripstow apologize. Send Lucy to me. Calm yourself. My husband is at home. I'll find him. The insult. The insult. How truly unfortunate. Wait. Wait. Percy. Percy. She runs out. Miss Caslet seizes the pillows from the settees and the books from the table and flings them about the room. Ah, ah, what can I do? What can I do to pay out this viper, Ripstow? If I can't revenge myself on her, I shall become frantic, frantic. Oh! Lucy, still clutching the marriage certificate, enters quickly. Lucy? Oh! What's wrong with you? I... I'm so upset. Upset? I... I don't know whether I'm doing my duty here. This seems like such a strange household. Ha! So, I think. Do you know? Do you know? They are already married. Who are married? Young Mr. Howard and Miss Muncherford. Oh, I oughtn't to have told you. Go on. You won't repeat it, will you? And what's more, she... She isn't Miss Montreford at all, and never was. Lucy! Snatches the certificate from Lucy's hand. What have you got there? Lucy attempting to recover it. Oh, no! Oh, my head! Miss Cazalet reading. Marriage solemnized at the register office in the district of St. Michael's, Abergarin, in the county of Carnarvon. Howard Bompus, Honoria Hooley. What's the meaning of it? I... I'm dreadfully afraid it's a mesalance. A mesalance? Yes, and poor Mr. and Mrs. Edgerton Bompus are trying to give a good aspect to the matter by celebrating a second marriage. Oh... Don't you feel sorry for them? Awfully. And this, this is the family into which the son of my old friend Lady Ripstow is about to enter? 
are you laughing at? Come home. Home? Miss Caslet crams the certificate into her pocket. You can tell me all you know about this sad affair in the cab. Quick. But I don't wish to. Come. The certificate. Give it to me. Let me return it. When I've done with it. No, no. Now, Lady Ripstow. To Lucy. Come, home. She pulls Lucy to the door, and they go out. Then another door is open, and Mrs. Bompas's voice is heard. Mrs. Bompas outside. Percy! Percy, make haste! She enters the room quickly. Miss Cazalet! Dear Miss Cazalet! Bompas enters in evening dress, which has evidently been rather hurriedly put on. He attempts to make his tie into a bow as he speaks. Where is she? Where is she? She hasn't gone, surely. Miss Cazalet! Don't upset yourself. Throw her over. She must be looking for her niece. She's of no consequence, I tell you. Mrs. Bompas opening the door and calling. Miss Cazalet? That rotten newspaper of hers is dead or dying. It can't do us either harm or good. Over with her. Miss Cazalet? Mrs. Bompas goes out. Come and tie my bow, Clara. Clara, come and tie my bow. Clara! Finding she is gone. Oh, Miss Cazalet, indeed. How my hand shakes. Over with her. I've made up my mind for the future self. I, I can't tie my bow. Sitting helplessly at the end of the settee. Clara, old lady. Unnoticed by Bompas, Mrs. Hooley looking very much upset, and McShane, pale, speechless, and agitated, enter the room and stand gazing at Bompas. Bompas to himself. I'll, I'll wait for Clara. Heavens, how does my peroration begin? Turning over his notes hastily. I'm, I'm forgetting my peroration. Mrs. Bompas returns and sees Mrs. Hooley and McShane. Percy! Do come and tie my bow, eh? See Mrs. Hooley and McShane. Oh! Oh! McShane fidgets with his umbrella. Mr. McShane, I didn't hear the servant announce you in the, the, the proper way. Sir, I let myself in with this lady's latch-key. Oh! Oh! Ah! Uh, ah! Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Montrefort, we rejoice to see you looking so much better, don't we, Clara? Mrs. Hooley begins to sob demonstratively. Ah, uh, that is, I'm glad that the report of your illness, the, ah, uh, uh, influenza, was exaggerated. <laughs> How it got about, I, I trust Mr. McShane. Clara? Bompass, Bompass, cease your dirty prevarication. I know all, sir. Oh, and indeed, it's myself that told him the entire truth. Oh, why was I so impulsive? Mrs. Kathleen Hooley, ma'am. Bompass, uh, Mrs. Bompass, 
exchanging looks. Ah! Mrs. Kathleen Hooley, you'll oblige me by keeping silent, if that's possible. Loving me as he did, I never anticipated he'd take the disclosures in this way. Mrs. Hooley! Sure, Kitty Hooley's as fine a woman as Kathleen Mount Stratford, barring the fortune he looked for. Oh! Bompass, when I met this lady today at our usual place of meeting, the National Gallery. The, the National, National Gallery? And when I perceived that she was in more than her usual state of health, I felt I was the victim of some despicable underhand doings of which you were the originator. I advise you to be careful, Mr. McShane. I really advise you. But I was not prepared for the revelations of craft, cunning, and duplicity which were made over a cup of tea at a neighbouring restaurant. Clara, note Mr. McShane's language. Note it. I dashed down to the house to find you had skulked home for an hour. I followed you here. Now, sir, you'll be good enough to ask these ladies to retire. Sir, I request that you communicate with me only by letter. You request, sir, you? Mrs. Hooley clinging to him. Ah, Tim, Tim, we'll go, darling. Don't let your temper rise. We'll go, darling boy, we'll go. McShane releasing himself. Kathleen. Yes, yes, I'll leave you. Oh, Tim, is it all over between us? Only I can't say, Kathleen. It's a difficult position I'm in with regard to you. But I'll consider there. Why was I so indiscreet? Oh, the love I've thrown away this day. Bumpus to Mrs. Bumpus. Keep near at hand. Don't leave me. I won't. We're in his power, Percy. I know. I know. But be bold. Brazen it out. Yes, 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 yes. And then, if you can, buy him. Yes, yes. My poor old man. Shriek if you want me. Yes, yes. I mean, call out. I know. Same thing. Mrs. Bumpus goes out with Mrs. Hooley. Bumpus to himself. Bold, brazen it out. Bold, brazen it out. Now, Mr. McShane, I ask the reason of this outrageous conduct. Conduct unbecoming a gentleman. Conduct which... He sees McShane reading the notes of his speech. What's that you're reading? What's that you're reading? The notes of your speech, sir. Put those down. How dare you? How dare... What? Lift up your voice to me again, and I'll publicly proclaim you the mean, fraudulent trickster that you undoubtedly are. Sir! 
raise your voice half a tone above your ordinary dirty conversational level and to-morrow all london shall ring with the vile imposture of which you're guilty ah mcshane mcshane it's you who are violent not not i i mcshane let's talk the matter over quietly shall we quietly both of us quietly quietly mcshane resuming his examination of the notes as i thought as i thought you've no right to read those notes mcshane no right whatever no no a contemptible vituperation of the party to which it is my pride to belong that speech sir is a, a, a an avowal of a, of the convictions of a lifetime see page three that speech contains a, a looser exposition of my, my firm undeviating political principles your what principles which have been the main guide and factor of a busy life principles which are, 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 are mcshane prompting him from the notes which are as vital as that's it as vital as the air i breathe as the, the what he, what are you doing what are you doing mcshane is deliberately placing the notes in his breast pocket twilight is falling Bompass, you will not require these notes. What do you mean? My speech! My speech! You will not deliver this speech, Bompass. Tonight! I speak it tonight! No, sir, you do not, because from this moment you abjure all political principles which have been the main guide and factor of your busy life. I? from this moment you turn your back on conventions which are as vital as the air you breathe i do not you do and in their place you will adopt the views and opinions and the mode of reasoning of the party to which it is my pride to belong bompass your hours yours yours yes bompass from this time forth your sympathies your aspirations your instincts are purely irish bompas utters a low cry in the house and out of it you're now a staunch consistent and when necessary an animated supporter of joseph finnerty and michael james shannon think yourself mighty lucky you're let off so pleasantly for the trick you've played me over the widow my first unworthy impulse was to trumpet your rascality to the world oh and then a finer loftier inspiration came to me to utilize you in the cause of patriotism no no don't imagine i'm proud of you but the handsome and the regular contributions you'll make to our parliamentary fund will be acceptable and the dirtiest votes count on a division holding out his hand 
and so blankets permanent take care you can't do this you shan't do it i defy you i defy you what's that no no i don't mcshane mcshane old fellow old chap be open to argument if you make a political turncoat of me i shall lose all my big friends knobs nice people who'd be glad of any excuse to give me the cold shoulder don't do it don't do it just as i'm laying hold of their coat-tails ah i'm ashamed of you mcshane dear old boy i will support your parliamentary fund munificently i will i will only let me do it in a quiet unostentatious anonymous way and don't stop me from abusing your party in the house mcshane mcshane what you're asking me to be a schemer and a hypocrite like yourself are you no sir i am an injured man my feelings are outraged my affections misplaced but it's a convert i'm making not a victim it's no use bompas you're ours clara de mcshane you'd strangle my parliamentary career clara you'd put your heel on the neck of a rising politician clara 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 mrs bompas enters clara i know i've been listening my chance my chance mr mcshane the great opportunity of my poor husband's life don't distress yourself ma'am we'll give him magnificent opportunities by and by long nights of em but this night man haven't you any heart we're all ready to go down i'm extremely sorry but in view of his abrupt change of political views it would be better for him not to go back to the house this evening oh i will go down i will if you do mind you'll follow us boys into the lobby ah to mrs bompas now do you notice how agitated he is let him have a quiet evening at home at, at home bompas sinks into a chair dazed never mind percy you used to be fond of your home to-morrow morning i'll look in early and dictate a manifesto to his constituents and now i'll hurry down and give the boys the intelligence mr mcshane mr mcshane be easy ma'am on behalf of joseph finnerty and michael james shannon i promise you this you're ambitious i believe you and blankets bompas i don't know perhaps yes mrs bompas in the future your house shall be the centre of a great political world 
your establishment the access of a mighty movement your drawing-room a crowded salon the meeting-place of a powerful irresistible party party the party to which it is now your husband's pride to belong he goes out it is now dusk bombus folding his arms and glaring wildly around him mr speaker sir nothing but a stern sense of public duty nothing but an acute perception of the obligation i am under to my constituents percy hush nothing less would have induced me to follow the torrent of eloquence which has just preceded me with the feeblest trickle of my own earnest but inadequate oratory conscious no no ha these interruptions do not find me unprepared i am not unnerved by the howling of irish wolves for mercy's sake be quiet sir if that expression is not in accord with the courtesies practised in this house what are you thinking about old man if oh eh clara yes yes it's clara clara oh my speech my speech jelf appears what is it the carriage is at the door ma'am mrs bompus to bompus shall i tell him with an effort bompus nods assent your master does not go down to the house to-night not ma'am no send the carriage back to the stables turn up the light jelf disappears quickly the room is brightly illuminated by electric light come percy be a man we're not crushed yet not crushed yet after all we've only changed our political views from purely conscientious motives heaven forgive us yes yes conscientious motives that's it yes yes besides think our danger is over we've bought that little wretch's silence we're safe our danger is past we're safe safe yes of course we are safe nothing stops us now nothing nothing beryl will be married next month gloriously married our beryl lady lurgershall think of it think of it lady lurgershall the future countess of ripstow our beryl <laughs> old man hey eh? they link arms laughing and chuckling beryl enters mamma we were just talking about you child mamma i don't know how i am to tell you tell me what lord lagershaw has just left the house why of course he was to meet us at no no you don't see what i mean he has left this house forever he will never return what i have told him that i cannot marry him and our engagement is at an end bompus advances excitedly to beryl 
Mrs. Bompus clings to his arm. No, no, Percy. This shall be put right tomorrow. A lover's quarrel. It is nothing of the kind. My mind is made up. I will help to deceive our set about Howard's marriage. You can make me do that. But you shall not make me deceive the poor fellow who wishes to marry me because of my honesty. <laughs> Beryl! Understand me. You shan't shake me. I mean it. I mean it. She goes out. Our children. Our... Our children. Oh, yes. No, no, not our children. Not both of them. They're still Howard. Poor boy, he's been imprudent, but... Sobbing. He's a nice boy at heart. Howard's taggers on in evening dress, his hat on the back of his head, a large flower in his buttonhole, a cigar in his mouth. That's right, Honoria. You practice your scales while I'm gone. You, hello, Ma, you here? I'm off out for the evening. Howard? What's the matter? Hello, Pa. The servants say you're not going down to the house that comes tonight after all. Funked it. Hey, funked it. <laughs> oh. oh. So I've told on Noria to pound away at her scales for an hour or so while I have a look around. Bye bye. Mrs. Bumpus seizing him by the lapels of his coat. Wretch! Bumpus taking him by the coat collar. Blackguard! At me again? When do I do right? I don't know. You, you're not sober. No, I'm not sober. I've had a dreadful month this last month, and I'm drowning my misfortunes in the bowl. Let me alone. Snapping his fingers in Bumpus's face. There. I'm my own master. I'm young, married English gentleman with uni university education. He goes out. Mrs. Bumpus and Bumpus sit, staring blankly before them. Honoria is heard practicing her scales in another room. Mrs. Bumpus creeps over to her husband and puts her arms round him. End of Act Three